This is the voice of the report of the week. Signing on. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the report of the week. We are signing on this Thursday, the 22nd of August, 2019, the year being. Thank you for tuning in and joining me for this week's program. VORW International is a weekly podcast. Uh, For now, you know, I was thinking maybe I'll expand the show one day. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll do it a little more than once a week. You know, that's that's up in the air. But I mean, who's to say, you know, and in the end, I tell myself, look, it's my show. I can establish whatever schedule I want to. You know, just because I go ahead and have the show out each and every Thursday doesn't mean that's all that I'm limited to. You know, if I ever feel like I... If I ever feel spontaneous and I just want to make a show on a Tuesday, I can I can go right ahead and do that. So I have to remind myself of that. But, you know, for now, it's Thursdays only. But maybe I'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. But it's a weekly program. As always, around one hour in length. I think lately we've been going around one hour, ten minutes in length. And we discuss a wide variety of topics. It's a free-form weekly talk show. Uh, last week's discussion was mostly in regards to the economy, though some various other things were brought up as well. In today's program, I am going to continue some of the discussion about the economy, though that's going to be later in the show. Before then, I'm going to discuss a few things I've been thinking about again, about things that have been going on in the world, and then I do have a question for next week's show, and I think you guys are going to like this one. It's going to be a fun one, and it's something that I was thinking about yesterday, and I said, you know what, I'm going to incorporate it into the show today, so I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. So that's where that stands. Hope you can stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the program. You know, during the last week, it's been it's been a busy week for me. Not just with the YouTube or the radio or any of that stuff, but I mean, it has just been a very, very, very busy week. Uh, Because I've been moving. I've been doing a lot of moving, going to a new location, and, you know, with that, it's a lot of work. So... I'm just giving a little bit of an update there. I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about it more going forward. But moving, it, it's a lot of work. Uh, don't get me wrong. And you know, I, I was thinking to myself originally just to hire some movers, and you know, get them to do everything. Uh, but I decided against it. So, you know, I mean, it's a good workout. That that's the most important thing. Remember. Your body is a very important thing. Don't do your best not to let it go to waste. Moving all these boxes, all these things, you know, all these items. Packing is the worst part. Let me just get that right off the bat. Unpacking, not so much. You just got to take it box by box, sort through everything, and it's not as bad. But packing is is awful. That's all that I'll say. Uh, but I mean, it's a really good workout, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm, anyway, I am working out many different, you know, muscle groups and whatnot that usually I don't, and 
Always, always remember, you know, if you're going to lift anything, you've got to use your legs, not your back. Otherwise, you're going to really hurt yourself. But, yeah, so it's been a lot of work every, every day. You know, every day I've been at it. And then, of course, trying to do all of that and everything else that goes into it, which there is a lot. And then managing the YouTube, the podcast, and the radio show at the same time. Which that in itself is a lot of full-time work. Uh, things have been very busy every day. For the last, for the last while, has been a full day, and I've been quite tired at the end of each and every day. So it's been very, very busy. You know, a very busy week, but certainly been getting a lot accomplished anyway, which is good. It's it's better to do some stuff and have it pay off and end, then of course those days where we work and we work and we work and it seems like it's for absolutely nothing. Uh, those days are just downright disheartening. And when it comes down to YouTube, I've had plenty of those. Uh, but thankfully this week, although busy, at least all has been working out in the end, which is good. So, so far so good. You'll be seeing some new locations popping up though when it comes to the uh, the videos though and uh, filming and whatnot, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I, th I think it's going to be great, though. I have a really good feeling about it, so... Yeah, fingers crossed, anyway, but I think it's going to work out good. So that's what's been going on for me in the last week, anyway. Again, it's an ongoing thing, so that's what it comes down to. And I want to get right into the question for next week's program. And I would love to get your responses on this one. And you can do it one of two ways. You can email me in writing. So, you know, you can just do it the traditional way. You can type up your response and send me an email at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and record your response. Because like I've said in the past, I know some of us are better at typing things out. You know, you can get your ideas out that way better. Some of us are better voicing them out. So you can get a microphone, and it could be anything. It could be a any microphone, your phone, anything. Record the audio, just share your thoughts, and then send me the audio file in any form. I'll do the conversion work. Don't worry about that. And email that to me at v-o-r-w- I-N-F-O at gmail.com, so it'd be great to get a response this week. I was thinking about Stanley Kubrick the other day. And I think regardless of how old or how young you are, you've heard of him. Because he was a famous American film director, screenwriter, and producer. And he's frequently cited as being one of the most, if not the most, influential filmmaker in cinematic history. He was incredible. And while he died in March of 1999, and, you know, most of his films were really from the 1960s to the 1980s, you know, with a few after and before, his legacy lives on to this day. And I think pretty much everyone has either seen some of his films or has heard of him, knows who he is. And just in case, here's a few of his most famous films. And I think we've all seen at least a couple of them. 
2001, A Space Odyssey, The Shining, Dr. Strangelove, Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut, and there's many others, of course. That's just to name a few, probably some, you know, the most well-known ones, anyway. And Kubrick had an eye for detail. I mean, no matter what, some of those shots that he set up were incredible. Like, you look at the cinematography from 2001, A Space Odyssey, and when you realize this film was from 1968, it's mind-blowing. It, I think, to me, anyway, it just goes to show how talented he is. But Kubrick was known to be meticulous, a bit of a perfectionist. Everything that you see in his movies is pretty much that way for a reason. You know, it's almost like he, he never really said, I, I just want this here, you know, just, yeah, put, put it there, I don't care. You know, he wanted everything a certain way. And the way he shot the scenes, the way certain things played out, he paid attention to every detail. But when it comes down to Stanley Kubrick, there's been a lot of speculation about him, granted, and about the content of a lot of his films. And some people have wondered, I've even wondered this myself, do you think that Stanley Kubrick tried to convey, successfully or otherwise, any hidden messages or double meanings through his films? That's my question. And if so, what, are the, what, what do you think he, he tried to send out? What messages do you think he tried to convey? Do you think there was any hidden meaning in any of his imagery? The way he chose to shoot certain scenes? The plot? You name it. And you know, this is a known thing that a lot of directors do sometimes, where, you know, they'll intentionally give things a double meaning because they want to get more than one message out, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. But because of Kubrick's attention to detail and some of the questions surrounding him, it's something that a lot of people will hypothesize and wonder from time to time. So that's what I want to know. What do you think? Do you think Stanley Kubrick ever included any hidden messages or double meanings in any of his films? Or do you think the films just are what they are, with no additional meaning or message or things to think about and observe? So if you, if you think that there are any, let me know what messages you think they are, and any feedback in general, even just if you don't think so, but you just have any comments on Kubrick's work itself and, you know, what film you thought was his best and what you thought was his worst, I'm, I'm welcome to all discussion. Send me an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com, and you can do it in writing or record the audio and send it to me, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. It would be great to get response this week. And either way, he had incredible attention to detail, though the one thing that always got me was his final film, Eyes Wide Shut. And... Granted, he never lived to see the release of it. And I know when it first came out, the response was very, you know, it was iffy. A lot of people, I think they expected more of it. 
and seeing the film, you know, nowadays people have more appreciation for it, but it always struck me like it was incomplete. And maybe Kubrick just never got the chance to fully finish it. You know, that's a chance. But what if there's also that possibility that it was intentionally edited? That it was intentionally chopped up? That certain things were taken out on purpose? So that's always an interesting one, eyes wide shut. And it's probably one of those things, look, we'll never know. It'll just be what it is. But that doesn't mean that it isn't interesting to think about either way. So it's interesting to think about anyway, and I would like to hear your response with that. Also, before anything else, do keep in mind that this broadcast is completely listener-funded. This broadcast operates, functions, and just downright exists each and every week because of your support. The only platform that's even monetized is YouTube, and the ad rate on that is, let's not even go there, if it's even monetized to begin with. So any play or any listen on any other platform garners zero dollars and zero cents in revenue toward this show. So you could have 50,000 people that listen on Spotify and, you know, there's going to be nothing earned on my part. The only way to help this broadcast and keep it going is via a donation to PayPal at V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's Victor, Oscar, Romeo, Whiskey, India, November, Foxtrot, Oscar at gmail.com. I do the NATO phonetics because it's difficult to sometimes spell out otherwise. Or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. So please consider supporting this show. You know, already as it is, costs add up. And I do whatever I can to trim the fat off of this show to begin with. But the operating costs are what they are because I care about getting this show out to you, to a listening audience, and I want it to be something that's enjoyable to listen to, something that's a lot of fun, and something that can reach a wide variety of people, wherever you may be. Could I stop the shortwave broadcasts? Absolutely. Could I stop hosting this show on any podcast platforms that I have to pay the subscription for? Absolutely. Can I get it taken off SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify and all of those many platforms to save a couple bucks? Yes. Can I go ahead and get rid of the audio editing software? Sure. And can I go ahead and downgrade the equipment that I use to record this program? Absolutely. Can I stop paying for the music and just get rid of the music show entirely? Yeah. And as a result, substantially decrease all of the hours and time that is put forth into making, editing, and producing this show each and every week? Certainly. Could all that be done? Yes. If I wanted to get the operating costs to close to nothing, sure. But at the same time, would that bring the quality of this show down? Absolutely. Would it make it fun to do and fun for you to listen? Probably not. Would it impact and upset a lot of listeners? Absolutely, and it would upset me as well. I try to keep the operating costs 
as tight as I can, and what's spent now is all I can do to help keep this show going, sustain it so that it can be received and, as I try my best, enjoyed by you, the listener. And it's your support that allows this to be a reality, that allows this to happen, that keeps it going each week. When you make a donation via PayPal or via the Patreon, know that every dollar you put in is going to good use to keep this show going week after week to reach many thousands of listeners in all corners of the globe. That You are doing a direct part to keep this going. So I just kindly ask, if you'd like to support this program, it's very much appreciated. Please consider a donation of any size and shape. Anything will help via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Thank you so much for your support in advance. Really means the world, and even if even if the financial situation for you is tough and you can't spare anything, the best way you can support it otherwise is just listen to the show, get the word out about it, if you think there's anyone out there that might enjoy it, and look, there's a lot of people that this show just isn't for them. There's a lot of people that this show is. You know, everyone has their tastes, everyone has their differences, that's totally fine. You can't expect something to be universally liked, but if you know someone and you think there's someone out there that might enjoy this program, spread the word about it, and uh, let them know. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But, you know, you're getting the word out, and that's another great way to support this broadcast. This is VORW Radio International. On a more general scale, you know, while I've been, I've been looking around, I've been thinking about a lot of things, looking at current events, what's going on in the world, how people are acting or reacting to certain things, and, and everything in between. You know, I've talked about this before, but it's one of those thoughts and one of those feelings that I just can't shake. And I think you know how it is, where sometimes you just get... You feel it. And... It just it won't go away, and uh, it's just one of those one of those things, I suppose, is the best way to put it. In regards to just the state of society, probably worldwide, at least in the United States, at the very least, but I imagine it's probably impacting most all of humanity. And again, this is one of those things. Sometimes I'll take topics and I'll talk about them multiple times because it's just one of those things that you can't get out of your head because it's just very it's important to me and I knew it was a problem but I think it's an expanding problem I think it's getting worse you know how last week I was kind of saying that we might have a financial crisis coming up in the future right it hasn't happened yet could happen. What's going on right now, I feel we are in the midst of an unprecedented crisis. And no one's talking about it because 
more likely than not, it's an unsolvable problem. And lack of caring is one of the biggest issues with this problem. Right? That's why no one's talking about it, because no one cares about it. And you know, just because people don't care about something doesn't mean that it's a non-issue. Sometimes the biggest issues that are impacting us as a species are the things that most people don't give a single care about whatsoever. And this is a societal issue. And when it comes down to those, it can trickle its way down and impact everything. Because if it's an issue with the way people think or act, uh, that, that impacts and affects everything in the world we know today. That's why I call it an unprecedented crisis. Because I think it affects everything. And it's something I've talked about before and something I'm going to talk about again today. I, th I think empathy and compassion are disappearing at an alarming rate. That's not to say in the past that everyone was sitting there holding hands, taking care of each other, or any of that, right? We know that's not how it was. We know that that's... We, we've never been that way as a species. But it seems more and more that it's just turned into more of an every-man-for-himself type of world. That... The more I look around me, the more I observe, the more that it just comes to me flat out. This unrelenting attitude. I got mine, you get yours. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care about you, your problems, any of that. Go figure it out, go find a way to deal with it. And guess what? You hit rock bottom, just deal with it, alright? You have such a selfish, narcissistic, prevailing attitude where everything's about me. And you know, I'm not talking necessarily about social media. Social media, granted, it does breed a lot of narcissism. You know, you see that too. But I mean, it's more than complaining because someone's on their phone. Or someone is taking a selfie everywhere or whatever. And that's for another day. You know. But it comes down to the fact that people are unwilling to help, let alone care, about how other people are doing. And many issues are... They, they they go so far that, you know, you and me, we can't really do anything to solve them. But the fact that no one even expresses concern about the immense amount of struggles and hardships impacting people today is very alarming. And I just see this attitude that's like, look, the world can fall apart Everything can crumble. Everything can go to hell. I don't care. I got my money. I'll be dead in a couple decades. What, what does it matter? You know, let the world rot away. Let it waste away. 
Oh, global warming, who cares? What does it matter to me? Violent crime not impacting me, so what? Cost of living, health care, unemployment? Well, go deal with it. I got myself taken care of. What, you're going through an issue? You expect me to help you? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. This terrible complacency... It's, it's, it's depressing to look at. And again, I'm just seeing it more and more. Not to say that we can all work together and find certain solutions to things, but just such an unwillingness to express any concern for one another. No desire whatsoever to help anyone else out, especially in a time of need, or even over such simple little things that wouldn't even hinder you in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, just this selfish, cold, uncaring, apathetic attitude. Yeah, if I got mine, you get yours. And I mean, the saddest thing is so many of the people who I, I see exhibiting such an attitude, and it's a lot. That's the thing. Look, it's not like this mindset is anything new. This mindset has been around, in my opinion, for as long as we have existed. But just because something has always existed doesn't mean that its prevalence has always stayed the same. I think it's spread. And I think it's just, I'm seeing it more and more and more. And I'm seeing any sort of caring disappearing so fast. It's, it's vanishing right before my eyes. I mean, even the other day, I was looking around, and when I was out, I was kind of, I was, I was looking at people on the street, you know, walking around, going about their business, whatever. And it's like, you see so many people now that have this, like this, this look. I don't know if it's in their eyes, or if it's behind their eyes, or if it goes deeper than that. And it's like, it's, it's not like they're dead inside, but it's just like this, this coldness, you know? It's, I think some of you know what I'm getting at, right? You can sense it from someone, like in their gaze, you know, that's the one thing. You can, you can tell a lot about a person kind of by the way that they, you know, from their eyes and facial expressions as well. And more and more, I'm just seeing, like, this cold, harsh, uncaring, unforgiving expression. It's like, it radiates. If, if I could be expressed into words, I think it would say something like, F off, I don't care about you. And it scared me when I saw it. And the amount of times, just yesterday, it's like something, when you really start paying attention to it, you start noticing it more and more. And it just, it like, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was just seeing this so often. And, you know, it's anecdotal evidence, but it's something that I've just been seeing with my own eyes. And then, of course, when you look online and through media, then you really see it. 
But it's one thing to see an issue online. And, you know, look, you know how it is when you read about certain things going on online, and they make you think that this problem is so widespread, yet it's not even impacting you in the least. Like, it's not even outside your doorstep or any of that. Doesn't mean that it's not a problem, but sometimes they fearmonger and they make you think that, you know, it's impacting you personally, when it really isn't. But this is one of those things that not only do you see like that online, but you literally open your front door and you start looking around and it's right there in front of you. It's scary and it's sad. It's terrifying in a way to see this path that we're all going down. And I don't know if there's... I, I don't know what, if anything, can be done. All I can think of, you know, is if... If any sort of alien life or higher power or whatever came over and, and did an assessment of us as a collective species, if they were truly advanced, just how, how disappointed they would be that we can do so much good, we can accomplish so much. We can take care of each other and live such wonderful lives and still have our freedom, still be able to do what we like and just live a harmonious existence. But we don't. And it's just it's like one of those things when you realize what we're capable of, but we, we refuse to do it. It just kind of like it makes me shake my head, you know? And I kind of sit there and I think, man, are we ever, will we ever get it together? It's not even when will we. At this point, it's will we. Maybe we never will. You know, there's a hypothesis out there in regards to life in the universe, potential life, and its prevalence. There's a hypothesis for something called the Great Filter. And what it is, it's essentially a hypothesis, granted, that states maybe the reason why intelligent, advanced life in the universe seems so difficult to find is that maybe there's some sort of filter, some sort of metaphorical wall that most evolving life forms just can't get past. You know? Who knows what it is? Maybe it was the formation of multicellular organisms. Maybe it was just the right star system. Maybe it was eukaryotic, single-cell life, sexual reproduction... Utilization of tools or having a complex brain. You know, there's lots of possible explanations if this filter of what prevents so much intelligent life from expanding and advancing in the universe is. You know, there's so many possibilities. A part of me wonders what if, what if we never passed it yet? What if the Great Filter 
is the sense of coming together and working with each other for collective advancement. And because we just, we, it seems like we can't do anything together, we don't care about one another, we don't support one another, as a species we're just going to get farther and farther and farther apart, and we're just going to wither away and pitter out, and that's going to be it for us. Look, I don't know, that's just a hypothesis anyway. But the further we separate ourselves, no matter what, from each other, and the less we care, the less that is going to be accomplished. There's going to be no one that's going to care about it one bit, because everyone only cares about themselves. And, you know, the saddest irony of it all is that many of the people who seemingly don't care about anyone else, refuse to help anyone else out, and have this cold, unforgiving mindset toward anyone who isn't them, if they themselves wind up in a situation or a circumstance where they want or need help from other people, they will expect the world to swoop in and come to the rescue when it's happening to them. Yet they themselves would never do the same for anyone else. Who knows, maybe it's not as bad as I'm seeing it, but... It's one thing if you just hear about it online, and that's it. It's another thing when you hear about it online, and you see it everywhere around you, every single day. It's a very hard thing to ignore, and it makes it extremely difficult not to ponder and wonder the scope and severity of it. So, on a final note, it's something that I've really been thinking of. I don't know if there's any solution to it. Like I've said in the past, the only thing that can work, you don't need to be Superman. You don't need to be someone that's sitting there and, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that, I'm going to, you know. But if you just see small little things in day-to-day -day life, like I said, I've said this before, and I want to say it again because it's important. Sometimes small, random acts of kindness can make a world of difference and have a far greater impact than you'd ever realize they ever would. Do the right thing and be the best person you can be. Because that's all that we got. Never forget that it's the little things that count and are so important to so many people, even if at the time they don't realize it. It's a lot more important than so many people ever think or give credit to. You're listening to VORW Radio International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, and reception reports are welcome. I always enjoy hearing from the listening audience. You know, it's always a pleasure. Always such a pleasure to to hear from what from 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 people listening what you have to say.
Uh, you know, even if it's a rant, that's fine by me. You have the freedom to express what you want to express any way you wish to express it, so that's fine. You know, I'm not just saying good feedback only. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, I'm, I'm open to all viewpoints and opinions. You know, last week I got some profanity-ridden rant about the economics thing, because someone didn't want to hear it. They said, oh, stop effing talking about the effing economics, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But that's fine. Look, he's free to say that. No harm. I'm not forced to like anything. So your feedback is always welcome, though. Always a pleasure. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com Once again, that's V-O-R-W I-N-F-O at gmail.com Once again, V-O-R-W I-N-F-O at gmail.com Keep in mind that the topic for next week's program is going to be Stanley Kubrick, the esteemed director, screenwriter, and producer. So, the question is, Stanley Kubrick put any hidden messages in his films. What do you think? Can be about anything, mind you. Doesn't need to be about any one specific narrative. Don't, you know, you don't need to go that route. They can be serious or not. It's up to you. If you think he did or if he didn't, or if you just have any comments about his work in general, V O R W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com. You can send a written response via email, or you can record your response through any means you would like, and then send me the audio file uh, where we will play it and get your voice on the air next show. And you can send that, again, via email to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And either way, whether he put any hidden messages or not in his movies, I think so many of them were good. Certainly, I've always been a fan of his work. So it's going to be interesting to see your responses there. And with that, let's go to some of your responses from last week's show in regards to the economy, where I was discussing the recent economic turmoil and whether or not you think there will be a recession, a depression, or nothing at all happening in the future. First and foremost, I want to go over to Thomas in Alberta, Canada, He says, I agree with your prediction and further agree with your suggestions of greater social upheaval in most of the developing world, but less so in the Western world. The upcoming slump will not return the world to a Great Depression, but will severely impact the housing market, causing the next two decades to mirror the increase in individual buying power akin to the 1950s. Great show. Glad to listen in. So thank you, Thomas. That's from Thomas in Alberta, Canada. And, uh, you know, the news about the recession and all of this that might happen uh, continues to come in. Every day I check the news and I see what people are talking about. If you take a look at what Trump is doing right now, uh, he is exploring various tax reductions. Whether it's being admitted or not, everyone knows that this is being done because of fears about the economy. So I think that the possibility of this happening is very, very real. You know, so much uh, you see the White House trying to take measures to 
postpone it in a sense. And uh, it's something to keep your eyes on. That's all that I'm saying. Keep your eyes open and uh, stay, stay, stay strong, stay observant. This next listener wanted to remain anonymous. Regarding the subject of the economy on your latest podcast, I think it's important to pay attention to what central banks around the globe are doing, such as the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, Bank of Japan, etc. The fact is, is that more than ever, the stock markets of the world are trading based off of the actions of the central banks. I can assure you that if the Federal Reserve had a meeting this weekend and Jerome Powell, chairman of the Fed, came out Monday and said he was going to raise interest rates 25 basis points, the markets would tank. Conversely, if he came out on Monday and announced that the Fed plans on launching another round of quantitative easing, bond buying via money printing, the markets would react positively to that news. Since 9-11 and the popping of the dot-com bubble, it has primarily been central bank policy that has driven the markets. It's extremely likely that when the economy enters a recession, the Federal Reserve will first respond by slashing the federal funds rate back to 0% and will eventually initiate in QE4, the fourth round of quantitative easing, which will likely drive the markets higher, but trash the U.S. dollar in the process, eventually leading to a currency crisis. And then in that environment... You don't want to be holding an excess amount of dollars. Stocks, specifically in sound U.S. and foreign companies, land, precious metals, and other assets will be what you'll want to be holding. I would advise your listeners to research central banks and quantitative easing if they want to learn more about the present-day economy. This isn't necessarily a complicated subject, but it is rather long-winded, to go into all the details, and I'm trying to keep this correspondence as short as possible. I think learning a little bit about how global financial markets operate can be very beneficial to making wise investment decisions in the present and in the future. Myself, I've been studying it since 2009. I'm self-taught from the internet, subscription to the Wall Street Journal, and practical experience. That's from an anonymous listener. And I think no matter what, yes, the central banks are something that you need to keep your eyes on as well. Because, you know, one thing to pay attention to, what the central banks do has a huge impact on the markets. You know, every time the Federal Reserve, for instance, uh, makes an announcement, especially in regards to interest rates, the day that's going to happen, and even the day before, Go ahead and look at all the different stock markets. Look at the Dow Jones, look at the NASDAQ, look at the S&P 500, just just a few examples. And you will watch, depending on the announcement, it will go on an absolute roller coaster. So absolutely, you know, whatever they say really does have that that ability uh, to make or break the economy. Absolutely. So yes, I think it is something that really should be researched uh, right there, the central banks. We have a couple uh, audio messages coming in, but I do want to go to this piece of written correspondence coming in from Amanda in Houston, Texas. Me and my husband were just talking about the economy yesterday. It sucks, and I really hope we can save it in time before it's too late. 
but it might already be too late, sadly. My husband lost his job back in April. The company he worked for makes air conditioning. They got the metals from China and could no longer get it because of the trade war, so they found a U.S. seller. But it was more expensive and took a lot of time, so they ended up losing a big contract they had with a buyer. Sadly, as a result, they started firing people and gave other employees a pay cut. A lot of people quit. My husband was making good money, but now he's making much less at a new job. Hopefully, things don't get worse. It's really hard to be hopeful for the future. I think everyone should be worried about the economy no matter what age. Me and my husband are 21 and 22 years old. Oh, absolutely, and I'm, I'm sorry for the situation you guys are in. You know, you might be seeing something like this happening more and more. But I think what you're seeing right there in your situation is perfect anecdotal evidence of, of what could be going on and what might happen more so, depending on what happens with various industries. And again, if the markets go down and the economy takes a nosedive, you know, certain things can be impacted by certain economic downturns, you know. Uh, like the previous writer mentioned, of course, with the dot-com bubble burst, right? That that impacted lots of websites, you know, back in the early 2000s when the internet was really taken off like crazy. And then with the Great Recession in 2008, that impacted the housing market immensely. This time around, what's going to be impacted? Uh, will it end up being, you know, what little manufacturing we have going nowadays? Uh, Blue-collar work, I mean, who's to say? Uh, will it end up being loans, you know? I mean, look, there is the student loan bubble. Is that going to burst one day? What's going to happen there? Uh, will it be for-profit educational institutions that are going to take the loss? Will it be housing again? Is it just going to be everything? It's, it's something to keep your eyes on. All right, let's go over to Nikki in Smyrna, Tennessee. Welcome, you're on the air. just wanted to comment on the whole monetary thing that you were talking about. You know, I think the whole thing right now is China. I mean, I don't watch the news. I'm a centrist. I'll probably lean right. And forgive me if this sounds bad. I'm working and talking on my Bluetooth. But um, it's like we're like $20 trillion in debt to the Chinese with no plan to pay it back and nothing to show for it. Uh, their culture is a lot different than ours. You know, if you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar over there, you take your punishment without question with no protest and certainly with no fighting back. Uh, you know, I could very well see them dropping a bomb on one of our western cities and for us to just take it. And they wouldn't even see it as a declaration of war. We would. We would drop 500 bombs on their cities and they would say, oh, you still haven't learned your lesson and then wipe us halfway out and then we'd wipe them completely out which is theoretically fine because now we don't have a creditor anymore, but then we don't have any way to finance our lifestyle, as in no more food stamps, no more Medicare, no more Medicaid, no more welfare. 
So I think, you know, if it ever hit the fan, I'd probably just move to Seymour, Missouri and join the Amish and learn how to make wooden furniture and um, learn how to make Amish cheese and fudge. And thank you, Nikki, over in Smyrna, Tennessee. And uh, in regards to your comment there on the U.S.-China relations, absolutely, it has been something that's been very rocky uh, for a while. But of course, in recent times, you know, it's picked back up again. And yes, you know, the cultural differences between the U.S. and China are immense. And I mean, I was looking at the differences the other day because I was thinking about China. You know, I've been trying to follow the Hong Kong protests, what's going on over there. And, you know, I was seeing the videos where China has the troops lined up at the border right there at Hong Kong. You know, they're ready to go in, the People's Liberation Army. And I was thinking to myself, if China sends the military into Hong Kong to stop the protests that are going on once and for all, would the West do anything about it? You know, I have my doubts. Because China is just too big. It's it's a conflict that no one wants to get involved in. Uh, myself very much included. You know, if, let's just say the U.S. and China ever, ever went up against each other, regardless of who on paper would be deemed the winner, there would be no winners at all. Uh, there would be no one. There, there No one would win. Everyone would lose in that case, you know? It's just a conflict that I hope never happens, because there's no good outcome, in my opinion. So thank you. Uh, let's go over to some more feedback. Davis is checking in. Uh, let's hear your thoughts on the economy, Davis. Hi, John. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen to my feedback submission. And more importantly, thank you again for continuing to reach out to your listeners for their input. Um, you're creating a wonderful forum for your fan base, and I'm sure I can speak for the majority of your audience when I say how appreciated your fun and insightful show truly is. Well, thank you. Just to interject, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to hear from our listening audience. You know, that's why I do this show, and it's just it's so much fun uh, to hear different voices, different viewpoints, uh, different opinions, and it's just it brings up so many wonderful points and ideas. Uh, that, you know, just wouldn't wouldn't even occur to me. So I think that's the best thing, and it's just a great way for the audience to connect as well. And I always welcome and value feedback to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So thank you for bringing that up. And uh, what else do you have to say? So regarding your request for feedback as it relates to our current economic conditions and where we see things potentially going in the near future, um, I have to be honest when I say I don't believe we will see much of a change at all. Now, I do tend to agree with your comments about how our economy is somewhat like a sine wave, and that it's only natural for these things to get better and worse as time goes on. However, I also believe that as history repeats itself, um, we're becoming more adept to deal with it, and we're learning from our mistakes. We've become so well-versed in algorithms and patterns with modern technology, I just don't see how or why we couldn't apply that way of thinking to our economics in hopes of preventing the worst or at the very least, making the harder times a bit more bearable for us. Now, I am by no means a well-studied economist, and this is only my own personal perception, 
but I do feel optimistic that we shouldn't see these types of crashes like we've seen in the past. At least for a very long time, anyway. We have far too many intelligent and hardworking people out there looking out for us, and as long as we remain a dependable country to invest in, I really think we'll be alright. Now, with that said, I do strongly recommend all of your listeners heed your advice about always planning for the worst, because it certainly doesn't hurt to be prepared. And thank you so much for your feedback, Davis, and absolutely, you know, whether you really think that it will or won't, I always respect your opinion. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, the phrase, learn from your mistakes, does exist for uh, for a reason. You know, because definitely there's a lot of truth to that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and no matter what, you know, like like I said earlier, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. And, you know, if the worst never happens, you don't really lose anything. If anything, again, it's supposed to be something to, you know, to be happy for, that, hey, you know what, I was ready for this, and thankfully it didn't happen, and that's, that's just incredible, that's awesome, right? And if it does happen, guess what, you can say, you know what, I was ready for this, I saw it coming, and, uh, you know, we're going to make it through this, and it's going to be okay. Might be tough, but we're going to get through it. Uh, checking back to the email we hear from Claire, and uh, she says, I don't know when exactly, but I believe we are on track to experience a severe depression due to automation. The working class, who typically work low-skilled jobs in factories, retail, and food service, who already are struggling to make ends meet, are going to be decimated as robots advance, and companies look minimize their cost. Right now, paying human employees is generally more cost-effective than installing machines to do their jobs for them. But eventually, we are going to reach a tipping point where every company is looking to minimize the number of humans they employ. One such example comes from New York City, where the minimum wage was recently raised to $15 an hour. And, as a result, many minimum wage workers have had their hours cut. In addition, McDonald's is planning to install self-serve kiosks in all of its American stores by the end of 2020. As of 2018, there were about 13,000 McDonald's locations in the United States. How many cashiers do you think are employed by McDonald's? Let's be a little bit conservative and say that there are two cashiers for morning, afternoon, and evening for every store. That's about 78,000 people who lost their job. And then after McDonald's does it, their competitors will be scrambling to follow suit, and quickly you'll have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of jobs lost all across the United States. And this isn't even touching the rest of the world. We cannot trick ourselves into believing that higher-level jobs are safe either. Medical professionals are leaving radiology in droves because there are computer algorithms right now that can discern between shades of gray that humans can't even see. Doesn't matter how smart or well-trained a radiologist is, it's just not possible for humans to even come close to being as effective as a computer algorithm can be because our senses just aren't sharp enough. Likewise, there are now artificial intelligences that can call and schedule appointments and be indistinguishable from human secretaries, and they'll certainly lose their jobs too. So what happens when resources are abundant, 
but the avenues for ordinary people to obtain things as basic as water, food, and shelter are completely and irrevocably cut off. Honestly, I think that if this happens, the best case scenario is that riots start breaking out all over the country and that the government responds by creating programs by which people can obtain the things they need, uh, perhaps some sort of a universal basic income. I don't know what'll happen after the chaos, but I am confident there will be chaos. Just give it some time and it will come. And that was from Claire. You know, this was one thing that I, I'm i concerned about as well. And I talked about it, maybe it was back in February or so. I know it was earlier in the year where a listener brought up uh, the, the issues with automation going forward. And what exactly is going to happen? So that's the one thing that I always have an issue with. When people say, oh, you know, just monitor, you know, they'll still, they'll still need people to monitor the automation. And while that's true, the number that will be doing that is substantially smaller uh, than what is currently hired. Stefan wants to share a recording about the possibility of a recession. Let's hear your thoughts. Greetings, the report of the week. This is Stefan from Washington, and... I wanted to share a few thoughts about the question you posed in the last program surrounding the extent to which there may or may not be a recession. And I am in complete agreement with you where I think that a recession is looming. And I would estimate that we're probably looking at the middle to the end of next year for when I think it'll really start to kick in. And my reasons for this are really because of just basic economic principles. And I wanted to kind of take a step back and analyze some of these basics to justify why I think that there is going to be a recession. Um, I feel that oftentimes the media will throw certain terms out actually, without actually defining what they mean or why they're significant. So I just wanted to do that. And Furthermore, I understand that this is a program where you, for good reason, do not like really delving into politics, but I think that it's important to understand the political ramifications for this. And I would argue that you cannot understand or quantify why there's going to be a recession without understanding the politics of it, because I think that these two issues are completely um, interconnected. So, for example, you might have been reading about how the Trump administration has been trying to pressure the Fed into lowering interest rates. So why does this matter? Well, for one, by lowering federal interest rates, really two things happen. The first is that all loan providing entities essentially have to lower their interest rates as well because of how the economy is interconnected. And the second thing, which is really more important, is that investment in bonds, you know, which these are essentially loans where the bond buyer is the lender, become less lucrative. The return rate on bonds is tied to the interest rate that the Fed sets. So if the economy looks like it's going to slow down, people are going to start thinking to themselves, I think this is going to stop going up, so I'm going to pull out and invest in bonds. Um, and if people start doing this, the Fed can say, actually, bonds are now officially worse investments. That encourages people to keep investing in businesses, and it encourages people um, thinking about starting exp or expanding businesses, you know, which they're going to need loans for to do that instead of you know, just to say F it and you know, put their money into something else. Um, the problem is that because the administration has been pressuring the Fed to lower interest rates, the interest rate is already very low, okay? 
So if you were to try to lower it, say, in 2020 when the recession is heating up, lowering it, you already have limited capacity to do so. And even if you did lower it, it would be less efficient. So the problem that we face now is that the markets have been fantastic during this administration's term. But the administration has done what Trump would do and has doubled down. He's continued to lower the Fed rate to boost things more than needed. And the result is that the 10-year rate, which you referred to in your last program, is already very low. And therefore, when things get bad, the Fed will not have room to lower the Fed rate in any meaningful way to help the markets and the economy. Thank you for your feedback, Stefan. And uh, you know, one thing that, again, one listener earlier on really hammered in and something that I completely agree with, never, ever underestimate the central bank's and the power that the Federal Reserve has. Here's an interesting piece of correspondence I got from Albert in the Big Island of Hawaii. I've been investing heavily in stocks since 2006, but my financial education was only a handful of finance and investing classes in college, so do take what I have to say with a grain of salt. I've done very well in stocks. 50% a year return is my average, I've never been read at the end of the year, even during 2008. During the 2008 financial crisis, I made very good returns by analyzing the economic forces at play, how human psychology reacts to those economic forces, and how the resulting group behavior can affect bottom lines of various companies. I believe the saving grace of America is that we Americans are extremely optimistic, uniquely so, might I even say, delusionally optimistic. This may be the cause of this upcoming disaster, but it might also be what saves us from it. I believe at the moment we are headed toward an actual depression, not just a recession. And this is why I think so. Many companies these days are over-leveraged, meaning they took on a massive amount of debt in expectation that they would be able to repay them by growing their revenue, they took on this debt to expand, buy out smaller companies, etc. They had very bullish, optimistic outlooks. This would be the right move if the economy was stable. We only need two quarters of negative growth before we officially enter a recession. However, people are usually overly reactionary, and just the fact that we had negative growth will destroy confidence. This causes massive stock sell-offs and people going into defense mode. That's when the massive amount of corporate debt I was talking about earlier comes into play. If everyone is in defense mode and their stock is tanking, then they may want to default on those debts. This would be widespread, and a bailout might not work this time. It would also be an absurdly massive bailout. This defaulting causes widespread layoffs as companies try to save themselves. But this creates a positive feedback loop. Layoffs mean no income. No income means no discretionary spending, which means falling revenue for corporations, which means more layoffs. And I think this might lead to a depression without the government intervening in some massive way. And B2B businesses with a lot of international customers might be okay. This may be made worse by the administration's actions. The trade war with China is destroying the confidence of American trading partners in America. For example, 
the administration putting a ban on U.S. corporations from doing business with Huawei as a way to get more leverage in the trade war resulted in cutting Huawei off Android completely. This sent a shockwave through tech companies worldwide. Now they know the U.S. will resort to these types of tactics, so rather than having the intended effect of getting China to give in, it just made Huawei develop their own operating system as well as other companies. Not only that it triggered various companies into developing their own processors to fall back on in case America cuts them off, so now you have competition where there previously was none. And these competing products get a level that's close enough to U.S. products. What forces will keep these companies trading with U.S. manufacturers when they could be cut off at any time rather than a homegrown solution? Nothing. Here's another example of the ramifications of the trade war with China. Other countries see these tactics being used and wonder, could these tactics be used against my country? And they begin weaning themselves off trade with America. The deal was bad, so they look for a better deal. I think in a few years you'll see a lot of viable alternatives from other countries for a lot of the products that they used to rely on America for. America is essentially being slowly ejected from the friend circle. Growing economies should be able to grow to fill the void that America leaves. So if this depression coincides with waning trade relationships worldwide, then even an enormous bailout will not save companies from this depression. That means jobs are lost everywhere, social unrest, and everything else. If it's only a recession, we should still be able to retain all of our trading relationships. And then I believe American optimism can actually restore consumer confidence relatively quickly like three years. People will think, oh, we had a recession before, things bounce back, and better be bullish while prices are low. And if we retain our trading relationships, then just restoring consumer confidence while keeping corporations stable should be enough to get us out of the recession. There is yet another adversary in the fight against a recession that I haven't mentioned. It's a big thing that goes mostly ignored, and that is automation. Mm -hmm. And just to interject real quick, uh, this has been talked about a lot, and let's see what you have to say. I think as fears grow, companies will be more willing to automate jobs to cut costs. This increases net income for the company, but destroys the incomes of the people who had their jobs automated. This cannot be easily fixed. You can't just bail out the corporations and fix consumer confidence if the jobs that were automated are now gone forever. You just end up with droves of unemployed that have no discretionary spending, and this again creates the positive feedback loop I mentioned earlier. Honestly, the only solution I see for things like automation and fallen consumer confidence are moonshots, like UBI. If consumers have this guaranteed income, then they have more discretionary spending, and companies get their revenue despite rising unemployment. This also creates a feedback loop of people starting businesses and people having the money to spend on those local businesses. I'm just worried that it might already be too late to implement. It takes a long time for people to trust something and feel confident in their buying power, so it could take years to implement it before we see the positive benefits, and by that point, we might already be in a horrible depression.
Now for the good news. I don't think this will happen this year. I think companies can survive for a while with the cash on hand. I think it will happen later on, and it will be due to trading partners losing confidence in American companies. And that was from Albert in the big island of Hawaii, uh, listening in online and on the shortwave as well. And finally, our last piece of correspondence for the program comes from Sarah in Wisconsin. I've been prepping for the last two years, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed of it. There are too many things that can go wrong, especially since we rely on technology so much these days. Uh, There can be a solar storm, an EMP attack, cyber attacks, pandemics, worldwide contamination of our food supply, a new depression, and natural disasters in general. There are so many things that could go wrong, and it just wouldn't feel right not to prepare. It's a good idea even for life's small disasters like unemployment, or maybe you just don't feel like going to the grocery store. We need to let others know that it's okay to stockpile a bit here and there. Most people don't like to think about the what-ifs or look at the big picture. You know, it's too negative. But don't be afraid to talk with family about plans. Anyway, I could keep this subject going, but I really think people need to do some research. It can be scary at first if you haven't looked into it, but it's going to be a heck of a lot scarier when you don't have a plan and S hits the fan. And that's from Sarah in Wisconsin, but absolutely, I agree with you. You know, one thing that really made me think, you know, I said this in the last show, but it's a very valid point. Where we rely on the existing infrastructure so incredibly much. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself when I tried to turn on the water and nothing came out. You know, imagine how things would be if this is how it was from now on and the water just went out and there was no more running water, no more clean, drinkable water, just a turn of a, you know, a turn of a tap. How different things would be and how, how poorly so many of us would fare. You know, and I mean, the best thing is that so many of these things can be repurposed. So many of the same things that could help you out during a hurricane could also work during an earthquake. Or even during unemployment. Or cyber attacks. Or conflict. Or any of that. Right? So much of this stuff is multi-purpose. You know, it's not like you necessarily have to... All right, I gotta have this drawer for the hurricanes and this drawer for... You know, so many of these things, because many of the problems that would be caused by one event or the next would be the same type of thing. You know, lack of power, lack of food, lack of water, lack of communication. With most major issues, those four things will be universal. You know, and the lack of communication is such an important one because we can get all the others, but if we don't know what's going on, we don't know any news updates, what's going on with the rest of the world, uh, if things are going to get better or worse or stay the same. You know, how can you know the duration of things or, or how to go from there? So that's another reason why I advocate so strongly radio. Uh, specifically, I recommend having an AM, FM radio. You need to have shortwave on there as well. Uh, because if 
AM-FM communications in the nearby area are all down, you'll still be able to pick up stations from thousands of miles away where things might be better, and you can get your news and information that way through the shortwave. And a weather band is good to have as well. And one radio that I think is really good for being prepared, I have it on my Amazon store. Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. And, you know, when you go to this store, you'll find so many things lined up right in front of you, so many radios. There are actually three radios that I really recommend you look into if you want to get something for disasters. The first one is the Degen DE13 radio. That's D E G E N. And the model is DE13 radio. All right. It's a really good emergency radio. It includes AM, FM, uh, shortwave. It can be powered off of battery, or it can also be hand crank. And it also has solar. Uh, electricity power as well. So you can just leave it out in the sun and it'll power itself up. Or you can use the hand crank and power it that way. Also comes with a built-in LED light and it also has a USB power output so you can charge mobile phones and other devices with this radio as well. So I mean that's an important thing to have. And you can, I mean, you can get it for $15.99 right there. I think that's a great resource. Otherwise, I'd recommend the Kato, K-A-I-T-O, Voyager, K-A-450, or the Kato, K-A-550 receivers. It's like the same thing, but it's got a little bit more with the coverage, where again, it comes with AM, FM, shortwave, but it also has the weather band, which is good for weather emergencies as well. has a good antenna. Uh, It has, again, the solar power. A hand crank as well. Could be run off of traditional batteries. Uh, Comes with an LED light. A red LED SOS beacon you can have on it as well. And again, the USB output as well. It's water resistant too. So it's it's suitable for indoor and outdoor usage. And it's a little more expensive, around $50. But I've only heard great feedback from these radios. And um, I think a lot of people have been very satisfied with them. So, you know, if you do want to get a good radio for disaster preparedness, uh, those are two models to really look into, or three, I should say. And it's something to consider. They're good radios, and I think you'll be glad you have them. You know, an emergency radio. And you can use it casually, too. Don't think because it's an emergency radio, you have to use it only during emergencies. No. Break it out and listen to my show on it if you want. It'll work perfectly fine, even if there isn't an emergency. And it's good to break it out every now and then. Make sure it works, you know, see how the performance is, so on and so forth. So that's what it comes down to. And with that, I'm going to be wrapping up today's broadcast. Any feedback is welcome at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And remember, the topic for next week's program is Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, do you think there are any hidden messages in his films, or do you have any comments about his work in general? Feedback there via writing or through voice recording, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, and any miscellaneous feedback in general, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you again next Thursday. Until then, take care. This is VORW.